Once upon a time, there was a new crossover that refused to play by the rules. It flipped the script and made all the others look like fools. Featuring styling that's sexier by far and handled like a rock star. Introducing the first ever Toyota CHR. Enjoy agile handling in the body of a seductive crossover that comes with standard 18-inch alloy wheels. The first ever Toyota CHR. The perfect ride to spin your own tail. Toyota. Let's go places. Sir? Yeah. Okay, the other operator got busy, so I'm going to help you because she's paging out the ambulance, okay? Okay. How old is the person? She's uh, 22. 22? Yeah. Uh, is she's not conscious? No, she's cold and she's not conscious. I can't get a pulse or nothing. She's cold. Is she stiff? Not stiff. Okay. Do you know how long she's been down? I, I don't. I just what we just woke up. All right. I mean, um, me and my roommate. I woke up and I went in there and uh, I came back in here and uh-huh. she's laying here in bed and she's 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 cold. Okay. Damn. All right. Do you want to do CPR? No, I can't do. It. I don't know how to do it. Okay, I can help you. Okay. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay, move her close to the phone, okay? Has she taken anything or done any? She's a heroin addict. She's a heroin addict. Yeah. Do you see any needles or anything around? No, she took took it last night when I took her. uh, I took her to meet somebody, and she she did it in the car and, and threw it out. Okay. Do you know how much she done last night? Uh, she did, I don't know, uh, she did, she did a good, a lot. Okay, and when's the last time you spoke to her last night? Last night she was, I mean, she was breathing fine when I went uh-huh. to bed because I checked on what her. What time was, was that? Uh, that was probably around, uh, midnight, one o'clock, something like that. Okay. She's not, but she's not going to do anything. Do you don't think she, is she beyond help or? I think so. I'm pretty sure. What's she's, her name? Samantha Sutton. Samantha Sutton. Yeah. Huh. And she's 22. Yeah, she's 22. Does she live there with y'all? No, she's, um, she, I went and got her a couple of nights ago. She's my girlfriend of two years. Uh-huh. So I was trying to, um. Help her out. Help her out. And she's got a, she's got a warrant. And I was trying to tell her to turn herself in and stuff like that. And she. Where is she from? She's from, um, she's from Carrollton, but she's, uh, I mean, Bremen. Okay. Are y'all sending somebody? Yeah, we got them on the way to you, okay? Uh-huh. All right, too. Hold on just a minute. I can help you. I can help you do CPR, sir. All right. Do you want to do CPR? Yeah, I can try. Okay, get her on the floor. Ten four one twenty three Ivy right. Lake Parkway, ten sixty six front door. Right. Okay, place the victim on on the floor. Okay, don't put anything under her head. Listen closely, and I'm gonna tell you what to do. 
place two fingers under the bony part of her chin and lift it up and back, okay? Cool, okay. Cool. Let me know when you got it done, okay? Go ahead, four or five. Come on, Jeff. D. Hey, D. I'm here, Denny. We um we don't have yeah, we'll our have, guest in. Yeah, we'll have to. She was on the phone, so can here we cut is. it? Uh, we got it. We got it. I'm here. We, Hi, D. Hi. Okay. Do you want me to pick up? Can can we uh, put it in like right after the? You know, yeah, I'll, I'll edit this part out of it. So just go ahead and and just start the show. Um, let me do a countdown first so that I can know I, where I'm cutting. Are you going to replay the tape, or are we going to start in right after the tape? We're, you're just going to um, – no, I'm not going to replay the, the 911 call. I'll just edit from okay. there, and I'll edit this part out, okay? All right, okay. so five, four, three, two, one. What you have just heard is a 911 call made on April 30th, 2011, by Kevin Griffin, reporting that he had awakened in his apartment in Villa Rica, Georgia, and found his girlfriend, 22-year-old Samantha Sutton, unresponsive. Welcome to this edition of CrimeWire. My name is Denny Griffin, and on today's show, my co-host Delilah Jones of ImaginePublicity.com and I are going to discuss the many aspects of this case with Samantha's mother, Dee Sutton. Dee, welcome to CrimeWire. Thank you, Danny. Um, let's begin, Dee, to bring the listeners, uh, give the listeners some background information on Sam, uh, what kind of a child she was, and what her early life was like. Samantha always struggled from an early age. Um, Her dad at that time was an alcoholic and uh, sometimes could be abusive when he was under the influence. And Samantha had counseling at a very early age and was uh, in special ed classes. She was diagnosed at 10 with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, severe separation anxiety, all kinds of uh, problems by Dr. Frank Harbin. And uh, then at 10, she was sexually assaulted. At 14, she was first missing and exploited. with the summer at her aunt's house um, under the 17-year-old young lady that was already having problems with addiction. And uh, at 16, 15, 16, she was, she got involved with the good old boys from Bowden the 
I call them the Bowden Gang. They were known as the Bowden Boys. And she was exploited, missing, started being arrested at 17, 18 years old, and charged with some very serious charges when the guy that was exploiting her and is named in the documentation with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children as the perp or one of the perps. Samantha uh, never had a chance. It, it it certainly sounded like she didn't have what most people would consider a traditional childhood. Uh, the You mentioned, uh, I believe, it was the Bowden Gang. Could you tell us a little more about them, who they were, and, and so forth? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I've already been warned or told that I'm going to face a lawsuit for what I said about them. On uh, the long version, lecture long. So uh, I'm going to do my best to leave out names. Uh, I will use the first name of one of the guys. Uh, these were young men that are have family that's influential, that are in law enforcement, uh, clerk of court, uh, over the trustees in the Carroll County Jail, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of uh, strong ties with law enforcement. Uh, I'm pretty certain that I can prove uh, that at least three of the guys that were involved with them are informants. Or Carroll County Drug Task Force. Uh, it's just unbelievable. I call it the Twilight Zone. I I can't even begin to imagine how my daughter wound up with connections and ties and. We're uh, we're gonna we're gonna get to the uh, possibility of uh, one of these people being an informant uh, in in a minute. Um, in the meantime, I'd, I'd like to know there was a a fella named Kevin Griffin, uh, no relation to me by the way, uh, who was also involved. Now, was he one of the Bowden boys? No, Kevin was made a statement to several people, and to me personally. And he came when some was about 19, 20 years old. He came into the picture when uh, she was a little older. And he made the statement that this Derek guy gave him permission to date my daughter. I don't even have words. Okay. So did, uh, did Kevin become more or less a boyfriend to Sam? Um, he thought he was her boyfriend. She wrote him a Dear John letter, and it was very clear that she thought he was old and ugly and that 
He was not what she wanted. His drug was not what she wanted. Uh, she asked him to please respect her wishes and leave her alone and let her get through the the uh, drug court ordered rehab for the next six months that she was forced into. And he had family ties with the coordinator that was over Samantha in that rehab program or the drug court program. Uh, I have information that Sam was not dating him at the time. She had supposedly been dating him. Kevin's 39 years old. Sam barely turned 22 before she supposedly died with him in his apartment on uh, April the 30th, 2011. After, according to the GBI records, he had carried drugs to her uh, court-appointed drug rehab program in Marietta, Georgia, uh, 10 to 12 days prior to that, to her death. And Sam, GBI is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation? It certainly is. Okay. So what we have now in 2011, um, Sam has been to court, and she's been ordered to attend this uh, six-month rehab program. And that would be as an inpatient, right? She was supposed to physically live in this facility where the rehab was. I helped her get everything she needed for her little apartment. She was excited. She had a new boyfriend, uh, and she was real excited about life. And all of a sudden, she abruptly, uh, like within a couple of hours of our visitation, we were about to leave. Me and her dad and sister had visited her the Sunday before, and we were supposed to visit her, and I got a call, and she couldn't see us. Kevin was coming, and I was taking things down a couple of days after that that she needed for her rehab and found out that she was missing. She had left the rehab, and... uh, it appears, according to the GBI report, that uh, Kevin had carried drugs to Sam's rehab, which he should have never been allowed into. And uh, after she was faced with the fact that they had drug tested her and was going to call the police and... uh, Susan Alexander, the drug coordinator in Carroll County, Georgia, um, she panicked and left. And uh, somehow Kevin got her and got her up in Fairfield Plantation in Carroll County, Georgia. And I know that my daughter would never have willingly went. And I have been told that by several people. She was doing everything she could to get away from him and out of there. And, in fact, 
she was supposed to meet Holly Holly Hart at seven o'clock on the twenty ninth and Kevin with a letter and she called Holly very upset and her and Kevin were fighting and uh, Kevin took her phone according to Holly and from that point I cannot tell that anybody ever made made contact with my daughter again. So when uh, in in April 2011 and Sam is in this rehab center. Apparently, Kevin Griffin uh, is allowed to visit her, and it's your understanding that he was bringing in drugs uh, for her or to her. Uh, Sam knows that she's uh, failed a drug test in the facility, and she decides to leave. At some point, she gets back into the clutches of Kevin Griffin. Now, when when she left the facility, would she have had money? I mean, did, did they have? Did she, she have money had, with her? Had no job. Uh, she had been in the Carroll County Jail clean for nine or ten months prior to going to the rehab, and she had not had any employment. And um, Kevin, uh, some of the reports, some say he picked her up from her sister in Atlanta. Samantha said that Kevin carried her away from the rehab because he was there. That morning, he carried her back. They drug tested her, and she took off, and he picked her up. Um, the, the phone that Samantha had was turned over to her dad by the Carroll County Sheriff's Office instead of being submitted as evidence to the uh, VA's office, and Alan was her VA uh, in charge of her case, the ADA that was in charge of the case. And um, at first, she was very upset. Well, someone erased all of Sam's outgoing calls and text messages and I brokenheartedly laughed that they were dumb enough to leave all the incoming calls and text messages. I have had access to that phone, and believe me, I have everything on it recorded. And uh, it's very telling. And Kevin Griffin had texted my daughter a few days before her death telling her that he hoped she was having a good time cheating on him. To me, that looks like stopping. There were uh, multiple, he, there were multiple colored abrasions, bruises, whatever you want to call it, confusions is what the report calls it, the GBI report, on both lower extremities. But for some reason, according to the DBI, they shoot no photos of her leg with multicolored bruising. 
Well, do you, let uh, me ask you this. I'm, I'm not clear on a lot of things. I know that you said early in her life she had been exploited. What exactly was the um, – what was Kevin's interest in her? Uh, was he one who was exploiting her? Was he not, since they, not for being 18, no. But after she was 18, he did? Well, I know that he was abusive. I know that he is a, his family very influential, um, very wealthy, uh, very well founded in Carrollton. Um, his dad is the CEO or runs. Southwire, which, to my understanding, and has for over 30 years, or pretty close to that, um, they supply all of Georgia Power's cable, uh, EMC, all the electrical companies with the cables. It's a very, very, um, I mean, it's super blocks long. It's um, he went to school with Felicia Gibson, the person that's over Carroll County Drug Court. Um, he admitted that he was working with her when he was assaulted in December before she died. Um, I could name the guy, but I'm not going to. But um, I have verified it from him and his family members. And he was charged with attempted murder of Kevin Griffin. And and he believes, and I believe, and according to Kevin's own statement to me, uh, he... I'm, I'm... say his first name, Jason, thought that Kevin set him up in Douglasville, Georgia. And um, Kevin thought that he was over it because he was being nice, Jason was being nice to him. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, as soon as he got inside of Jason's apartment, Jason locked the door and beat the know what out of him and broke his phone and had some serious charges. Everybody knew that Kevin and everybody believed that Derek and these other people have uh, ties with Carroll County Drug Task Force. And Sam caught four felonies at 18 years old with the guy Derek had been exploiting her and giving her drugs and stuff, and I have records showing that. And um, at 18, this guy got a misdemeanor. He followed her after she got away from him from being so upset. Uh, He had, according to Samantha, he had wrecked her new car, within the last few days. He took her money and bought drugs 
and he was selling the drugs out of the apartment where she was, not apartment, it was a motel room up in Carrollton. I'm not going to name the name of it, but uh, he drug her out of there according to her statement, and I have it in her handwriting, where he she believes he set her up, he drug her out of there screaming and yelling, trying to cause a ruckus. Nobody called the police at his request. He had tried to get me and her dad the night before to call the police. And um, she was arrested, got four felonies with intent to sell, drug felonies. That man, 20-plus years old, probably about 26 at that point, at least 23. He was well over five years older than her when he, at, when she was 17. And he was taking her across the state line, giving her All of this is documented. It's all documented. And there's witnesses. Nobody did anything. That man got a misdemeanor, and my daughter got four felonies with intent to sell. And from then on, Carroll County, him, and all all the others that were involved, and I could name names, and I will at some point, not now, but uh, they owned her. And every time she would make a stink or I would call anybody or she wouldn't roll over and play dead when they steamrolled her, She got arrested again. And from 18 years old, 17 years old, 18 years old, she was either in the clutches of these men, she was in the Carroll County Jail, or she was in a rehab for a very short period of time or running from the police. She had no lie. She got a civil rights attorney when she was in Carroll County Jail. And that when they got her out of there and she was dead within a couple of weeks. Dee, how how long was she out of the rehab? She she left the rehab. How long was that before she passed? It was passed? the 18th of, 18th of April. It's when they drug tested her, according to the arrest warrant. Um, so they put the... Worn out on her on the 18th when she left. And supposedly, the case summary says she died on the 29th, April the 29th, 2011, incident type death investigation. You see that Samantha Sutton case agent Jackson Lawrence. On April the 29th, 2011, Carroll County deputies were called in 322 Berry Court regarding a female who had died at a residence. When EMS arrived, they discovered Samantha Sutton, who, according to her boyfriend, Kevin Griffin, had overdosed on heroin. EMS continued performing CPR on Samantha and transported her to Tanner of Carrollton, where she was pronounced D.C. When Kevin was interviewed, he said he took Samantha to meet someone in Douglasville to buy Suboxone, but she bought heroin instead. 
Kevin said while driving back to his residence, Samantha injected all the heroin she had purchased. Kevin said when he got Samantha home, he put her to bed and she went to sleep. He said the next morning when he woke up, he tried to wake her up, but she wouldn't get up. He said he called 911 and EMS arrived shortly thereafter. And then the bull crap gets deeper. So for about 10, uh, 10 or 11 days, uh, Kevin was basically harboring a fugitive, right? You said they had issued an arrest warrant for Samantha well, for I'm leaving. Well, sure she was with Kevin that entire time. There's a lot of uh, confusion and discrepancies. At some point, she contacted her attorney. He was going to help her turn herself in, Robert Cullen, and um, he was going to help her turn herself in and try to find her a secure rehab that we had tried to do, and it was not approved by Susan Alexander with the Carroll County Drug Court. It was in South Georgia, and it was like a, uh, almost like a mental hospital where she would have been secured, uh, and nobody could have gotten into her with drugs. And that was denied, according to the facility, because I called them, because I found it. Because Samantha needed a secure facility away from Carroll County. Uh, She needed medical treatment because of all of her diagnosis. And... um, she needed time to adjust before she went to uh, outpatient rehab. And we were denied that request. So Sam may not have been with, with Kevin the entire time after she left rehab, but she definitely was with him at least on the 29th. Um, According to him, she was with him a few days before that. Two days before that. Okay, and he would have been providing, because she had no uh, resources of her own financially, any, um, well, somebody was obviously supplying her with with food and apparently with drugs. Whatever was in her system. Okay. Now, we get to uh we we have the background uh, established of of Sam's life and what she was going through up to this point up until the uh, the 29th of April um uh, what i'm curious about is this uh this Kevin Griffin was he in ever in any trouble himself? Was he ever on probation or had he oh, been arrested yeah. for anything? He was on felony probation when this happened, and he admittedly on the 911 calls carried her to buy drugs, and she supposedly, according to him, bought heroin and shot it up with him watching her in his vehicle while he was transporting her back to his house. He refused to get her medical attention, even after he supposedly found her dead, and there were 
911 calls where he did CPR on her and she was breathing and all of the other stuff. Well, this man admitted that he cleaned up the crime scene. He admitted that Clean Sweep was at his place prior to uh, an emergency call to E911. He dropped the phone getting her off the bed, and there's no date or time when he called back. And um, there, I mean, this man violated so many laws, and he was on felony probation, and he was not arrested for anything. The crime scene was not secured because According to them, he made up the bed and put it back in place. There was a rag tied around her arm. There were no needles, no nothing. Uh, And she was laying flat on her back 30 seconds after supposedly they arrived. And you can hear on the 911 call, Kevin Pell telling the 911 operator they're here. And she says, they're in there with you, right? And she says, yeah. And so she says, I'm going to let you go. Well, the first responders report says when they got into the room, she's laying flat on her back, not breathing, with a rag tied around her arm. Now, how did that happen within 30 seconds to a minute? There are so many (coughs) falsifications, inconsistencies, contradictions, discrepancies, what false writings, whatever you, it's bull. Let, let's need, um, talk a little bit about the Kevin's efforts that morning uh, to uh, to get a hold of 911. Uh, there seemed to be a delay from the time he attempted to uh, wake Sam up until he actually called 911 and got on with the the dispatcher, and then was talked talked through a CPR. Uh, could you give us the, your understanding of what transpired and why there was this? I think about a half hour gap in taking any action. I can actually not only give you mine, but uh, the incident report, the internal copy. Okay, after speaking with Kevin and Mike. I asked and received Kevin, received consent from Kevin to search his room. Okay, now Kevin uh, supposedly found found let's see, Mike and them came back from fishing at 10 a.m. Mike said after arriving, his friends had to leave. He said they left around 10:15. Mike said soon after, as as they left, he started cooking breakfast. And he was still cooking breakfast when, at 11.37, when um, (laughs) Officer Young arrived. He said about 15 minutes later, he was approached by Kevin, so that would be 10.30. He said about 15 minutes later, he was approached by Kevin, and that's when he learned about Samantha's situation. I asked him about what time it was when Kevin told him it was about 10.35. Um, 
asking what Kevin said. He said, Kevin came in looking as white as a ghost and told him Samantha was dead. He said Kevin had walked, had him walk to the room and look at her. He said Kevin asked him to check her pulse, and he said he refused to do so. I asked him why. Did it take approximately 30 minutes to call 911 after they thought that was dead? He said Kevin was in a panic, and he gave no answer to for himself. I also spoke with the two first responders, being Bernie Tweedy and Steve Moreland, while taking Steve Moreland, while talking with Steve Moreland. He said when they arrived on the and made contact with Samantha's body in the bedroom, he noticed Kevin just standing over her. He also said she was not stiff and her body temperature was not cold. Moreland said with the condition of the body, he felt he needed to start CPR. He said they started CPR and continued until Carroll County EMS arrived. At that point, she was turned over to them. And there's several discrepancies in the crime in the report. Uh, At one point, it was 10.50, at another point it was uh, 10.35, blah, blah, blah. There's not one record, I think, that I have that doesn't have something that contradicts it. Now, Dee, you've, uh, starting with this this whole thing with this 911 call and that, that half-hour delay uh, in Kevin uh contacting 911, as you just mentioned, there's all kinds of discrepancies that start appearing in the various, as more people got involved, you had the EMS people, you ended up with the coroner, uh, and so forth. Do you want to go over some of these things that you noticed that started happening uh, after after 911 was called and and sent people? I certainly do, because... um, Okay, the the police report, the initial report that um, her dad got from the Carroll County Sheriff's Office, the incident report, it said that it was not drug-related. And it also said she was an unattended death. Okay, um, the coroner's photos show that Sam was decomposing. Uh, West Georgia ambulance records, there's two different PCR numbers, and there's when you get what you got from the state and from Counter Medical Center and West Georgia ambulance and everything, oh, my Lord, it's insanity. At one point, they're saying the body was brought in by the coroner and not viewed by hospital staff. And this was at 12.50. She arrived at Tanner Medical Center at 12.05 as a DOA. And it was called by Dr. Paul en route from 11.37 to 12.05. And there's no records showing 
that my daughter flatlined or was dead or anything. There was no EKG. There was nothing to prove that she was a DOA. And in the original report of West Georgia Inlet, we have a PCR number of 114529, and the other one is 1104625. One of those, uh, both Jessica Fincher and the paramedic Melissa Daniel signed it. On the other one, just Melissa Daniel signed it. And in the narrative, there are differences. Uh, Sam obviously was pronounced <laughs> several different times. And some of the, the she was a suspicious, she died in a suspicious, unusual manner. She was considered uh, found dead, according to the coroner's report, at a different address than 322-Berry Court. Um, on the death certificate, it says she died, um, let's see, 17A, death occurred in hospital, emergency room as an outpatient. Two different doctors pronounced her at several different times. And when you look at what was supposedly in her system that killed her, according to Dr. Easton's um, report, it's the toxicology report, That's not what killed her at all. And that's not just my opinion. That's the best investigator, investigator's opinion. That's poison control's opinion and a lot of others. Um, my daughter was not cold, stiff, mild, blood pulled back with lividity. On May the 30th. She was not decomposing according to the coroner's photos. The coroner took photos, and I have right here in my hand, dear Miss Sutton, enclosed, you will find a copy of the coroner's report and a copy of the photographs that I made at Tanner Medical Center in Bellarica, Georgia, on the date of Samantha Sutton's death. Well, he also stated that he took those photos between 110 and 237. What did I just uh, read you? Body brought in by corner, not viewed by hospital staff at 1250. Aaron Smith. Well, her dad viewed her body between 12 o'clock that that. 5.05 when she arrived and 1.10 and guess where it was at? Tanner Medical Center in Carrollton, not Bellarica. Well, Dee, with all of this information that you've given us, what what do you think happened with all that you have studied 
Do you feel like there's a cover-up somewhere? If so, why? Um, what why? is the because end my game here? Why? Because my daughter had a civil rights attorney that was going to turn Carroll County and all of these influential people side down for all of the abuse and all of the deals uh, and for being exploited and very possibly sex trafficked. given charges for being a drug dealer at 18 years old when the perp uh, got free. They owned her, and she was tired of being owned. And every time she did anything, they threw her back under the bus, and she spent nine more months in, in the Carroll County Jail. They wouldn't let her finish out her time on that five years for that she pled to because her attorney threw her under the bus, John. I'm not going to give out his name. Uh, but I have that. I have where they laughed in court because she literally was uh, left holding the bag. And guys kept getting deals and how, and I mean, it, it, it gets a lot stickier and more bizarre when you look into who all was involved, and believe me, everybody has the names, and, and I mean, me and my sister spent months doing a timeline on prior to all of this, and after the 29th, um, somebody thought they were shutting her up. Somebody thought they were taking her voice. Somebody thought they were getting rid of a problem. It appears that my daughter was given a drug cocktail. Excuse me, I've got it written down. A drug cocktail of methibiotine, nilorophine, which is a manidote. Uh, the records show that she didn't have any heroin in her system. Okay, she's given a drug cocktail of methibiotine, 1.00 milligrams per liter. She had tetramethyl, which only has a half-life of five hours. She had caffeine, which only has a half-life of five hours. Nolorophine is an antidote. She was given an antidote two days after she's three days. If you, if, if you go by Kevin's 911 call on the 29th, this is made the fact. She has solitopram, lazopram, diazopram, codeine, morphine. She had 249.07 mcgs per liter of morphine. Uh, A death 
investigative specialist with Cold Case Justice said that my daughter's heart exploded from the drug cocktail. According to their photos and according to their records, they did an autopsy on my daughter on May the 2nd, beginning at 9.25 a.m. Monday morning. She, her lips were moist. The photos show a body laying there that if she was dead, she hadn't lost her fluids yet. Her lips were moist. Her mucous membranes were moist. According to their reports, her stomach is flat. No rigor mortis appreciated. That means there wasn't any. And you're sitting here with a young lady that just died two days after the coroner, West Georgia Ambulance, everybody else, says she was found dead. She's cold, stiff, mild, and blood pulled her back with lividity. She's decomposing. You should see the photos Denny has them of her dead, decomposing her stomach swelling. Her nails are black. She still had a, um, she still had a heartbeat when West Georgia Ambulance. She had a Caffrey Phillip too when West Georgia Ambulance had her. And also, um, she had, she had diagnosis after she got to the hospital. She was not dead. You tell me if that's not cover-up. You tell me if that's not obstruction of justice. Anybody explain this to me. They they marked through, the GBI marked through her blood when she received, when they received her blood, they marked through. I'm looking for it right here. It was taken May the 2nd at 727, and then they marked through it and put three. And there's records showing that her blood was taken by Dr. Ethan the day that he supposedly did the autopsy. But uh, at 1025... A.M. Tuesday, May the 3rd, Mike LaBoy, the Carroll County Sheriff's death investigator, brought blood to the GBI, and it was marked through and replaced the blood that was supposedly heart blood and everything that was taken at the autopsy. The photos that the GBI took, show a young lady laying there just just dead. The coroner's photos that he supposedly took on the 30th, two days prior to that, are showing a decomposing body, her breath, everything. You can see it. It was the most disturbing, horrendous experience I've ever had, and believe me, I've had some. They have lied. They have falsified and they falsified. There's two of everything. 
there's so many inconsistencies. If my daughter was found dead, they could not remove her body until the coroner was called and he went out and did an inquest and an inquiry and an He didn't even go to the scene according to him and all the records that I have. There was no investigation. My daughter said, they ruled my daughter's death an accident. Dr. Sperry will sit and tell you that he cannot say Samantha gave herself that shot and he cannot uh, say whether it was an accident or whatever. Okay, so you have the chief medical examiner stating that she would have died within three to four minutes of the drug cocktail or the shot that was given her. There are, There is so much that does not add up. There is so much that's wrong in this case. And I can't believe that anybody with a pair of eyes and any ears and any knowledge whatsoever can look at this case and not realize that it is obstruction of justice. It is cover up. It's bull crap. And D, somebody needs to be dealt with. Dean, uh, now I know it's taken you some time to to review all this stuff. Uh, and you said you and your sister worked for a long time making out a timeline and, and going over documents and getting documents. Uh, now that you've come up with all these uh, inconsistencies or discrepancies in uh, in the times and the locations and so forth, uh, have you uh, have you attempted uh, to have any of the agencies involved, such as the GBI? Have you raised those questions to them? And if so, how have they answered you? Absolutely, we have. Um, me and my sister sent. Pete Scandalakis, the DA. Um, let me just read John Hunt's response. Miss Sutton, and this is April the 22nd, 2013, we have received your correspondence on March the 5th, 2013, which you asked a number of questions concerning the investigation of Kevin Griffin and your daughter, Samantha Sutton. Our records show we provided you a copy of our file on February the 9th, 2012. You therefore have everything we possess concerning this matter. If the information you seek is not in the file, we do not have it. Do you know how many pages the DA's office sent me? 37 pages. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And you know that, Danny. I have a lot of documentation, and you don't have everything. So you know that that's full. Yes, I sent it to, uh, I have contacted the Carroll County Sheriff. I have contacted uh, Captain Jeff Richardson, Carroll County. He's over the jail. Uh, I have contacted the DA's office and Alan John Hunt. Uh, Pete Scandalakis, they will no longer even let me get to Pete. 
and he will not answer any correspondence. Uh, Captain Jeff Richards wanted me to bring all of my originals and meet with him and someone else from the Carroll County Sheriff's Office uh, to go over compare notes. He won't give me all of the files and every responding officer's report or every responding officer's in car video. Uh, he didn't even have a clue. They were going originally to give me anything and everything and help me, blah, 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 any way they could. And as soon as they started looking into this, as far as I'm concerned, they know and they're part of the problem. And this so, has gone on for six years. So, yes, I've contacted the state attorney general's office. I've talked to I spoke with Angelique McClendon. Don Diedrich, Angelique McClendon is the ADA with the state attorney general's office. Don Diedrich is the attorney for the GBI, and she will not allow my phone calls or anything to go anywhere but to her. So, Dee, what it looks like, uh, I'm going to use the term stonewall, it, it looks like you can't get any further, they got you kind of blocked. Uh, what options are open to you? What What else can you do? I'm doing what I have been doing for over three years now. I have become a, a um, for my support, I'm a team health volunteer with the National Center right now over the last several months because of everything I've found out and what I'm going through. I'm not active, but I'm a team health volunteer with the National Center, um, which has given me a lot of comfort and support. Um, I am doing what we're doing today, putting it out there. Uh, Michael Bowler with uh, Crime Magazine, put her article out over two years ago, and it's been on the front page of Crime Magazine for two years. Her little picture's right next to Trayvon Martin. Um, I'm continuing to request open records. I'm trying to get any kind of uh, cold case investigators involved, uh, crime wire, anybody and anything, I'm just putting it out there. Well, I, I've i got to compliment you on your uh, your stamina and your efforts to, to get answers. Uh, you know, very, I, I can't imagine the frustration uh, that you're in. Uh, the, unfortunately, we just uh, running out of time here. We're going to have to wrap it up right here. Um, thanks so much for being here and sharing this very troubling story with us. And we wish you success in your efforts to get to the truth. And I hope that if there's any updates to the case, you'll let us know so we can do a follow-up show. And, and thanks also to our listeners. And until next time, stay safe. Thanks again, Dee, and good luck. Thank you, Dan.